Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This reading in John's Gospel today is pretty easy to gloss over and simply see it as, well, Jesus changes water into wine. And while he most definitely did that, it goes beyond to show something about who Jesus is and show us about what he does. This whole reading is full of words, phrases, and things that we could examine, but all of us points us to the glory of Jesus. And so to see the glory of Jesus is to see his work for us. And at the beginning of the reading, this is seen in this conversation Jesus has with his own mother. St. John wrote, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And so Jesus says what he does because it's not yet time for his work to be complete. As great as this wedding may be, it's not the hour of his glory. Still, Jesus worked a miracle at Cana. He changed water into wine, and why this is the case is given. At the end of the reading, we're told this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So in this first public miracle of Jesus, then, we see Christ come to his people, come to his bride, and make himself known. He has come among them to save them as long promised, and there he shows and is unpacking what all of this means. It's a great epiphany text, right? That word epiphany means to reveal or unveiling, a divine revealing. And we can easily see the reason why. And throughout the centuries, this has been a reading at the beginning of the epiphany season. And for us hearing this today, we see Jesus work and manifest or make known his glory as the Christ for us, his bride. And so to talk about this glory of Jesus, it's seen in his whole life and his whole work accomplishing our salvation. He does the glory of the Father by fulfilling the law, by suffering and satisfying the wrath of God against sin for us. This is the glory of the Father and the glory of Jesus. He speaks about this later in John's Gospel. It's the glory of God to save his people. That's his proper work. God finds glory in saving people. So here in Cana, then, he is continuing this work. But it's not yet completed. He must go further. He still has more to teach, more to preach, more to fulfill, more to suffer. He must still die and rise. In the book of Hebrews, we hear about this. We hear, but when we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. And so we see the glory of Jesus then is ultimately found in his death when his hour had come. John's gospel points us to a big verse in chapter 12, verse 23, when Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So what did he mean by that? It's come time for him to throw a party. It's come time for him to really do a lot of big miracles. 
No, this is where Jesus made himself known in a great epiphany, a great revealing for us. Lifted up upon the cross, extended, bearing your sin, his glory is seen as he suffers, suffers for your sin, makes peace with the Father by the shedding of his blood as payment. So this whole then concept of glory of God, the glory of Jesus, it boggles our minds so far as we are sinners to think of this as being a glorious thing of Jesus, that that's the hour we have this great anticipation waiting for. But in faith, the Holy Spirit reveals to us that this is a glorious event. So when we see Good Friday as the day our debt was paid, the day our sin was atoned for, the day we were ransomed back to God, it makes us a glorious hour for us indeed, why we call it Good Friday. Because God's people are his bride. We're the bride of Christ. We're the church. The miracle at Cana then is bursting with this image. The prophets promised the Messiah would come to redeem his bride. And they would often associate this, this arrival of the Messiah, now and even then his coming again at the last day, last day, with an image of an abundance of fine wine, overflowing with these things. So Jesus fulfills these prophecies here in Cana as he changes water into the choice wine and in, a, in abundance as each jar held about 20 to 30 gallons. My daughters have trouble just lifting one gallon of milk. That's a lot of wine. So he turns what would be the shame of the wedding of running out to wine. They would be shamed before their family and friends into joy. Just as his whole life, death, and resurrection turns our shameful sin into eternal holy joy. And so this is for you as you are his, as he has called you his own, as he's made you his people. And so as his glorious bride, you listen to what your Lord says. You submit to him as a wife submits to her husband, because you know that Jesus is your head, and he leads you with a sacrificial love. Suffering even death for your sake and well-being. That's what a husband does for his wife. He lays down his own life. And like the servants at the wedding feast, Mary's words are true. Do whatever he tells you. For you know that whatever your bridegroom says is true, is good. And so your whole life is defined by who your bridegroom is. And he is glorious. And so we err as the church when we forget this. When we want to think that it is the Lord who submits to us. It's a spiritual feminism when we think the Lord is subject to us, that we're equal in office to him, and we can lead him. But Mary in the reading goes back to Jesus and asks her son, the Lord, to help. And while that may sound good, and it is good in this case, we often want to approach the Lord in a different way. Rather than a spirit of asking him, but rather to push our agenda, to think that we can dictate how things should be or that he should somehow change what his word says to suit our needs, we think our lives are, are our own, that our Lord doesn't determine what is right, that he doesn't determine what is wrong. And when he speaks a word of judgment and his law, we close our eyes and refuse to repent, committing a spiritual adultery that forsakes our bridegroom. But that arrogance is not what it means to be the bride of Christ. That is sinful. It's a false sense of glory concocted by the devil, by the world, and even our own fallen flesh. So the Lord then looks at us. He looks at his bride and he says, repent. Repent lest we perish in hell. And submit to him for he is the Lord. 
It is to do what he says, as Mary said, and never close our ears to what he says, nor doubt what he says to us in the scripture. For us to find him in his glory where he has appointed, it's to know that he is our bridegroom. And so we see that just as he is our bridegroom, he is always faithful. He always has been, he always is, and he always will be. This is the wonderful thing, for your bridegroom speaks to you this word. He says, your sin is forgiven. The glory of Jesus accomplished is seen in giving you what he has done. You personally have this glory of the Lord. The hour has come. The glorious day has come as your Lord has accomplished it, and now he gives it out. This is a glorious day in baptism and hearing the word of God and feasting at the Holy Supper. The epistle reading speaks of your washing and cleansing. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And so we see that today is a glorious day as you see the Lord manifesting himself among you and having worked another miracle in your midst. The Lord washed away Colton's sin. He gave him new life. He called him out of the darkness and into the light of his church where he has a place at his side forever. And he's before you now as a holy child, having been cleansed by the washing of water and the word. And it's the same for you as you are the baptized people of God who gather around the word of God, your baptism, and feast at his supper. So in these means, even this very day, the Lord is in your midst, manifesting himself, making himself known. And in faith you believe and take him at his word, receive what he gives. He has come, he has accomplished his glory, and you have the glory for you as he forgives your sins and you have life and salvation. And so the glory of Jesus accomplished and given to you now is also a glory of the life to come. God promises you, even in those words from Amos, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit." Now, while he's talking about their return from exile and the redemption and the coming of the Messiah, we see that he's also talking to our final day. The manifesting of Jesus and his glory in this world points us to the future glory you have. The day will come when you will attend the eternal wedding feast. St. Paul tells us that the sufferings of this life are nothing compared with the glory that awaits us. The wine will never run out on that day. The celebration will never come to an end. And in abundance you will partake of the Lord with all of God's saints, clothed forever with the white wedding garments of salvation, washed in the blood of the Lamb, who is your bridegroom. So all of this glory and all of these things is for you, dear Bride of Christ. The hour has come, and he has accomplished your salvation. His glory was revealed that day in Cana, pointing, him, pointing to him as the Messiah who has come to save his people. His glory was revealed on Good Friday when he died for you. His glory was revealed on another third day when he rose from the dead. His glory is revealed now as he delivers salvation to you, his bride, through the means of grace. His glory will be made known as you will see him face to face when you are in eternal glory as he returns again. And all of this 
is who your Lord is and what he has done. So we sit, we hear, we behold his work. We cling to this word. And as St. John tells us this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Amen.